Can you lift holy hands in this building? Come on. Come on. Has God been good to you? Has he brought you out of a few things? Has he kept you where there seemed to be no way? Come on. You ought to give God your highest praise today. He's worthy. He's worthy. Has he been faithful? Has he been faithful? We worship you, Lord. We honor you today. We give you adoration and glory belong to you and you alone. Lord, you've been good to us. Lord, you've been good to us. Lord, we don't deserve how good you've been to us. And so, God, we lift our hands in adoration and we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord, for keeping us. Lord, for being with us. And seeing us through, Lord, we honor you. Come on, can you lift your voice all across this building and give him adoration? Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we've seen you move, Lord, and we're expecting it again. God, you're not a respecter of persons. Lord, if you've did it for them, Lord, you'll do it for me. Lord, if you've healed people before, Lord, you'll do it for me. Lord, if you've brought people out of bondage before, Lord, you'll do it for me. So, Lord, we say, do it again. Holy Spirit, do it again. Lord, we're open. Lord, we're open for your move. Fall fresh in this place, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. All adoration belongs to you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, one more time. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> Woo! <laughs> hallelujah. <clears throat> Look at your neighbor and say, God is in the house. Look at your neighbor on the other side and say, I feel him in the house this morning. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to see you today, and it, what an honor it is to be here with you. If you are a first-time guest with us, I want to personally just tell you we are thrilled to see you today. And can we do this today, church? Can we give all our guests this morning a hand clap of welcome? This would be a good moment if you are a kid from the ages of 18 months all the way to 6th grade. We are going to dismiss you now. Can we give all of our children a hand clap this morning? <clears throat> and they're working their way out. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. I don't know about you. You could have been anywhere else today 
And I like what David said. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in my father's house than to be anywhere else. And so I'm kind of like David today. I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It is so good to see you today. Come on, let's give God one more praise. I feel a stirring in my heart this morning, and I believe that God has something powerful for us this morning. And I don't know about you, but I, I hope and I pray that your heart is open today. I, you know what? This is what I say. God, I submit my will to you. Lord, do what you want within me. And I tell you what, God will, will take that and he will work with that. I promise you, if you just surrender, God will do amazing things. How, do I have a witness in the house this morning? Amen. It is so good to see you. And I tell you what, it's been an eventful week. We've had a lot going on. And this week, we are going to be uh, getting all of our stuff. For the, we'll see all of our stuff from California for the first time in a month. If it's all still together, it's been traveling, I guess, around the state of Indiana a few times. Uh, but we'll get our stuff this week. We are going to be uh, going and unloading our stuff in our new home this week. And we are excited about that. thrilled about that. I know my wife is thrilled about that, and uh, we are excited to just make our house our home. And everybody that has a house said amen. And there's nothing wrong with where we've been staying. It's been a blessing. Matter of fact, it's been, it's been a great blessing because, you know what, we have a lot of el elbow room. There's nobody there to really mess with us, and it's been really great. We can start a campfire anytime we want. We can go zip lining. We, I mean, there's just all kinds of activities out there at Camp Indicoso. But we are excited to be in our, our home, so uh, it's so good to see you today. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the best-looking thing I have seen all day long. Now, you might want to be choosy which neighbor you look at. All right, some of you just didn't say anything to either one of your neighbors, so I don't know about that. Uh, we'll pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I want to just talk to you today, and I just felt a stirring in my heart this week, and we're going to continue on. Uh, talking about Joshua, I think there's so much in the life of Joshua and the children of Israel that is relatable to us, especially in the spirit-led life. And uh, we believe that God is orchestrating our steps, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is, has ordained where we are going, and we believe that with all our hearts. But uh, I want to just talk to you. We talked last week about uh, the, the power of prayer and how Joshua would point his spear towards Ai after they had been uh, humiliated by the little town of Ai and that, that prayer changes things. How many believe that prayer changes things? Amen. That was a little bit weak. I believe prayer changes things. And uh, I, did you see yesterday uh, all the people praying at, at Washington, D.C.? What a breath of fresh air to see people praying, or you could call it protesting if you want, but they were praying and seeking God. And I tell you what, if we as a, as a church and as a nation and as the body of Christ would seek the Lord and we would humble ourselves, God said he would what? Heal our land. And I believe that he can do it. And I, I earnestly believe that. So prayer is an important part of a Christian's life. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe that today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Joshua, the 11th chapter. Uh, and if you have your Bible, wave it at me. All right. Yeah, some of you got it on your phone. That's great. You got a Bible. That's good. Joshua, the 11th chapter, verse 23. A lot has happened um, from where we left off last week about how, he, how Joshua had raised his spirit in, in prayer. 
there was great miracles. They had and and many great victories from where that point was and where we're going to pick up today. Joshua, the 11th chapter, verse 23, when you have it, say, I got it. All right, good. It says this, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. Catch that last part. The land had rest from war. Now, hold your finger right there and jump with me all the way to chapter 13, same book, Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. And when you, when you have it, say, I got it. All right, it says this. Now, Joshua was, was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. God's got jokes. And there remains yet very much land to possess. Now let's look at those, chapter, those verses again. In, in chapter 11 it says this, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. Let's flip over to uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It says this, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Let's pray real fast. Lord, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the presence that I feel in this place. God, I believe today, Lord, that your word is going to go forth, that lives are going to be forever changed. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me how you see fit today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, have your will and way in me. Use these lips of clay. God, don't let them be my words, but let them be your words, Lord, and God will give you the praise and the glory for each and everything that's accomplished today. And everybody said... Amen. So you, you may look at these and you say, hey, TJ, what do these two verses have to do with me in 2020? And I'm going to say this. I say there's a whole lot that these two verses have to do with you in, in 2020. You say, well, why do you say that? Because I'm up here speaking. That's why I'm about to tell you that right now. I'm just joking. Okay, you guys will get me. You'll get my jokes before too long. But it, it almost seems that when you, when you read these two verses that they contradict themselves because in, in chapter 11 there, it says that Joshua had taken all the land that, that God had given them as an inheritance, that, the, that, that, that they had stopped fighting, the land was rest, rest, resting from war. And then you come over, chapter 12, it talks about the, the kings that, Moses's, that Moses had defeated, and then it talks about the kings that, that Joshua had defeated. And at the beginning of chapter uh, 13, it simply says this. The very last part of that says, and there remains yet very much land to possess. And you say, oh, TJ, that sounds like a contradiction in Scripture to me. And when I thought about this and I was, I was looking at this, uh, it says that, that, that there was more land to be conquered in chapter 11. Uh, in chapter 11, we, we thought that there wasn't. But it seems like there's a discrepancy in the Scripture. And, but this is, it's really not. It, it, once you understand what's really truly going on in this, this particular scripture. See, they had inherited the land in chapter 11, but this is what happened. They had left pockets of Canaanites in, in chapter 13 that they didn't snuff out like they should have snuffed out in the first place. Are you guys tracking with me now? All right, if you are, say, I, I'm tracking with you, TJ. You, may, you say, what does that mean? You're following me. Okay, listen. Uh, let me give you a good example of this. In World War II, the Japanese Imperial Army had lost the war. They surrendered to the United States. But this is what we have to understand. 
after the Japanese imperial government had surrendered to the United States, in the South Sea, there were still pockets of soldiers on islands that didn't have any communication with the, they didn't know that Japan had surrendered, and they never got the memo, and they kept on fighting for the Japanese empire after they had already surrendered. As a matter of fact, this is how bad it got, okay? The last one, his name was Hiru Onado, came out of hiding in the Philippine jungle in 1974. 30 years, this man kept fighting for the imperial Japanese government after they had surrendered because he never got the memo. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing. When I read that, I thought, man, that is crazy. Number one, that guy deserves a medal because he's a very devoted soldier. I don't know what's going on, but I am going to hold this island and this jungle that I'm at. But, you know, this is what we have to understand. In this scripture, the Old Testament, and I love, how many like picture books? Come on, it's okay. You can admit it. I like pictures. How many like those books when you go into a living room and they have those books and there's just lots of, they're big and they have lots of pictures. There's some reading in there, but you just kind of ignore that. You kind of just go over the, are those coffee table books? Is that what that's called? Thank you. Thank you for helping me out. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. But I love, I love picture books. I love that. But see, this is what we need to understand. The Old Testament, it is, it is a big picture book for us. I'm going to give you something here, and you can write this down. You'll probably hear me say this many, many, many times here to come. It's basically this. It's a picture book, but it illustrates the truths for you and me in stories, and I love that. I don't know about you. Sometimes I need things given to me in story form so I can understand them a little bit better. Are you guys with me, or am I the only one? And it paints a picture for us to, to understand, but this is, what, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to remember. For every New Testament truth, everyone say, for every New Testament truth, there's an Old Testament picture. All right? So what that tells me, for every New Testament truth, we can look back at the Old Testament, and there is something in the Old Testament from some character, some story, that we could pull out, and we can make it applicable to our life today. Amen? But I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. And I need to be able to look at someone's life and understand uh, and make it apl applicable to my own. So, anyways, I want to give you two things here, two things. You guys follow with me here. I want to talk about positional and practical truth. Everyone say positional and practical truth. So, you say, hey, TJ, what is positional truth? And positional truth is simply this. I'll give you the, the short answer here is this. It is where and how we stand with God. That's positional truth. Positional truth is where and how we stand. Biblically, positional truth is it's not just my truth. No, it, my, positional truth is where and how we stand with God. So we know through Jesus Christ dying on the cross, raising from the grave, and ascending to heaven, and he's coming back, coming back again. We understand through that principle that what Christ did on Calvary, Calvary was he paid the price for our sins. And because of that, when I am in right relationship with Jesus Christ, my position changes from just being uh, an orphan to a son or a daughter of God. Are you with me? Amen? So positionally, so, and, and here's the thing, and this is what I've learned. You cannot apply the word of God to your life unless you know your position. If you 
know this word of God, if you do not understand whose you are and that God has bought you with the price, you will misinterpret this. All right? Are you guys with me? So, so we know this. You cannot apply the word of God to your life unless you know your position. So this is what I want to go back to. Look at this. Joshua chapter 11. He won the war, right? Everything was good. The inheritance was given out. He starts divvying out land. Hey, this is going to you. This is going to you. This is going to you. How many would, would take an inheritance of land right now? Around here, the market's pretty hot. It would probably be a smart thing. All right? And the scripture tells us that the land was at rest. So I want to fast forward. Let's fast forward here. So this is what we know. Jesus on the cross, I'm, I'm still talking about uh, 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 positional, positional truth here. Jesus on the cross, he conquered everything. Cut and dry. He conquered everything on the, Christ, uh, on the cross. The price was paid for our sins. Amen? Do you believe that? You should believe that. He completed all things that needed to bring our relationship back to the Father. Amen? He was this. I love this word, and this is one of my favorite words in Scripture, is propitiation. You're like, what in the world is that? He paid the price for you. He covered the cost. He footed the bill. How many like it when someone pays your bill? When you, when, you, when you eat somewhere and someone buys your lunch, thank you, Jesus, right? Or when you go through Starbucks and you go up and they're like, the car before you paid for your, for, paid for your drink. Yeah! Or you do like me and you go up there and say, the car behind me said they would pay for my drink. No, I'm just, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm, don't, 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 don't follow me on that, okay? Don't do that. It would be kind of funny, though. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but he was the propitiation for our sins. And that simply means this. A sacrifice offered to turn away wrath. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was this gap between man and God. And we needed a blood covering. And you know the Old Testament, many of you do. And if you don't, we'll, we'll explain that to you. They would sacrifice a lamb to cover their sins for the following year. It was a lamb sacrifice. But when Jesus came, he was the supreme sacrifice. He, he lived a perfect life. He didn't sin one time. I don't know about you. I have trouble making it one day without some sort of sin in my life. But I, but Jesus did that, and he came, and he is the only Savior of the world. Now, that's a very pointed statement. Can I tell you this? There is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. Amen? No other name. And because of that, when we come into relationship with the Lord, number one, by admitting our sin, number two, by believing in Christ Jesus, and number three, by confessing our sins, we are positioned into right standing with the Lord and justified through Christ. I'm talking about positional truth. When we come into right relationship with him, I'm no longer an orphan, but I am a son and I am a daughter of the Most High God. Amen? So we know this, and sin means basically this, to miss the mark. And we know that sin separates us from God, and that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. It was the sin of, of disobedience. Listen to me. Now, if you're a teenager in here, disobedience of what 
God had told them not to do, they did. Now, if you are a teenager in here, disobedience to your parents was the original sin. Amen? Uh, that was a little side note. I don't know where that came from, but that was some, for some teenagers in the house this morning. But what happened, Jesus came, and he, he became the fulfillment of God's requirement, God the Father's requirement to bring us back in the right relationship with God. Jesus said this in John 14, 6, says this, it says, I am the way and the truth and the lie. Did he say, I am a way? He said, I am the way. The exclusive way. There's no other way. I am the way I, and the truth and the life. No one, look, look at this. No one comes to the Father except through me. If anyone tells you anything different, their doctrine is wrong. Because of what Jesus did, we are righteous. I want to say it like Southern California person. Righteous. Okay, sorry. Some of you are with me. Some of you aren't. But we know this. The war is over. So what Jesus did on the cross, he completed. He covered our sins, past, present, and future. It's like, whoa, that's pretty impressive. Well, it is impressive what he did. Look at this. 2 Corinthians says this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Talking about positional truth, when we are in right standing with God, we have to understand our position and who God has called us to be. Let me give you a little analogy here. This will help you out. This will help, this help me out. I'm going to give you a little story here. Let's talk about this. I am a big St. Louis Cardinal fan. Are there any Cardinal fans in the house? All right. I felt that. There's probably a few Cubs and Reds fans, and I'm sorry about that, but we'll pray for you guys. There is deliverance. We'll have an altar call here in a little bit. But imagine this, and this is, this is where my mind, mind goes. Imagine if the St. Louis Cardinals, they called TJ and said, Hey, TJ, we're a little weak in the shortstop position. We really would like for you to come be a part of the team. We want you to sign a contract, and uh, we we're going to give you a uniform, Woo! and we want you to play for the Cardinals. Now, what would happen is, if that happened, I would, I would probably go to St. Louis, and they would probably realize that I'm not the baseball player that they think that I am. When I got out there and tried to do drills and the, 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 all the fundamentals, I, I would probably way, I mean, years behind where the professionals are, right? I would, my batting average would probably be zero, zero, zero. I made contact. Woohoo! That would be me. And 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 my fielding would probably be atrocious. Like, boy, that was fast. I wasn't gonna get that. But here's the thing. Say I had a contract and they had a, 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 a contract where they could not fire me, but here I am and I'm on the St. Louis Cardinals and I have a uniform and I'm part of the team, but I never step foot on the field because I'm a terrible player, but I'm still part of the team and I have this contract. Now imagine this, by faith believing that the Cardinals win the World Series. I don't even know where the standings are right now, but somehow if they're not making it, I'm going to pray that they do. By faith is what the scripture says, right? But say the Cardinals win the, the World Series, and, and this is what happens. 
if they win the World Series, even though I may never play one inning of any games because I'm a terrible player, the fact that I have a contract, the fact that I have a uniform, that I'm part of the team, if they win the World Series, do you realize that any player who played for that team, wh whether they were traded or not traded, they get a ring because they were part of that team at some point. They get a ring, they get a bonus. Woo, praise the Lord, right? And so, so positionally, look at this, look at this. This is my analogy. Uh, positionally, I'm on the team, but guess what? I'm not, like, I'm not really part of the team. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm already connected, but because I am already on the team, how many know that with Christ, when we're on the team, he's already paid the price for us and, and, we, and that he covers us. Amen? Do you believe me or do you believe that today? Amen. So it, it reminds me to, to us how we as believers oftentimes, we're, we're, we love positional truth. We love God's word. And, but here's the thing. We know who we are sometimes positionally, but it doesn't give us an excuse not to get in the game. Did you know being saved is not fire insurance to keep you out of hell? Whoa, you're like, whoa, that went a whole different direction than I thought it was going to go. So imagine that. Say, say, imagine I got a ring and I, I got part of the bonus and I got to go through St. Louis and be like, they'd be like, who's this guy? I've never even seen him on the field. I'd be like, I was the guy that was handing them water when they came in and giving them sunflower seeds, right? Uh, but here's what we know is positionally I'm on the team, but practically I haven't really contributed to the team. Matter of fact, the manager's probably looking at my batting and looking at the way I play and saying, you're really kind of wasting our time here because we could put someone a little bit more effective there that could do something for the team. And, but imagine this. Say after we won the World Series, the next year comes the manager. He's like, you know what? I see something in TJ. Man, this is really faith speaking right here, okay? I see something in him, and I'm going to teach him. And he comes to me, and he says, TJ, I'm going to show you how to bat. And so he gets me a tee, and he sets it out, and he gets me one of those big red bats and the plastic ball. And he allows me to work on con making contact with the ball, right? And I could hit it, you know, 30 feet. And then they, they lob it up to me like a softball, and I begin to work on that. But I, so positional truth, you guys, are you still with me? Positional truth is, is knowing where we stand with God. I, but this is what I really want to talk to you about is this simple thing, positional truth, but is this, practical truth. Everyone say practical truth. Practical truth. And chapter 11 is positional truth, but chapter 13 is practical truth practical truth. And that's what practical, uh, 13 is talking about. The war is over. The land's at rest. Uh, the inheritance has been given. However, 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 the Israelites had allowed some pockets of the Canaanites to still exist. And they didn't deal with situations that they should have dealt with. And oftentimes, this is what happens. This is me. This is, I, I, I'm, I'm throwing myself in here. Oftentimes, we are saved positionally, but we never deal with certain areas of our life. Now, come on. Come on. <laughs> and we don't deal with habits. And we don't deal with pet sins. Right? And we let them remain, and this is what happens. And this is, this is uh, uh, you know, 
and those simple things, which God has already given us an inheritance, but those simple things keep us from inheriting the land that God officially said, had given us. And maybe at this point you're thinking, hey, you would rather sit on the bench, you'd rather get a World Series ring, right? And rather get the bonus, but I want to tell you this, um, it is this, is, you know, we, we are, God has ordained us to move forward as a people of God, amen? All right, so the Israelites uh, allowed the Canaanites to remain. I want to talk to you to three practical truths about, about uh, practical truth, okay? Three things, three things. And if you're a note taker, here you go. Here's number one. Everyone say number one. Three practical truths for, uh, for, for us today. Number one, this is why you want to move forward in the Lord right here. For your sake. Everyone say, for your sake. So the Israelites allowed the Canaanites to remain. They, if you read back, they, they actually uh, had, they made a peace treaty with a group of, of people. And that would come back and bite them. Not just as, as in, in Joshua's time. That would come back and bite them all the way up until the time that King David would rule. And so can I tell you today, there are, sometimes there are things in our lives that we don't like to deal with. And we like to just hide from people. And we like to keep it quiet. And just like, you know what, God, I don't want to deal with that. But if we aren't careful, those things will start to gain momentum in our lives. We talked about positionally, now I'm talking about practically, okay? Uh, consequently, as the years went by, this is what we have to know. So they didn't snuff out all the Canaanites, but as the years went by, the Canaanites grew in power. They began to grow in numbers, and they began to grow in strength. And as believers, when we don't deal with things in our lives, they begin to grow and gain strength. Now, are you tracking with me now? We have our habits and our pet sins and our desires that oftentimes, we don't even realize that sometimes they come before our relationship with God. We allow them to come before our relationship with God. And it's not that we intend to do it, but sometimes they do. And, and God's saying this, I've given you the land, but here's the thing. You've left some pockets in here, and now we got to go back and we got to deal with these. Tells Joshua, hey, you're old, Right? And so we know this, positionally, we know positionally, everyone say positionally, I'm the righteousness of Christ, right? And I can come before the throne room of grace, positionally, right? It's what scripture says. Boldly it says we can come before the throne of grace. And here's another thing that we know positionally, I'm on the winning team, right? And all that's true, but then practically... Listen, 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 Linda, listen, listen, right? Practically, we allow our temper to flare up and not care what comes out of our mouth. I'll just wait on that one. Or we allow lust to come forth. The Bible says if you, you look upon a woman, you've already committed adultery. If you look at her in the wrong way, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. That's what Scripture tells us. What about this? I'm going to drown my nerves in this drink right now. Now, it's quiet in here, but that's okay. 
What about this? What about we don't always watch things on TV that are beneficial to us? Now, this is a little bit of a holiness message. You're like, whoa, you're taking us back. Well, you know, here's the thing. I think sometimes we miss, we miss it because we're so focused on keeping our world comfortable that we're, we have these little Canaanite pockets in our lives. And God's saying, I want to root those things out of your life. Amen? It's okay. I'm positionally in Christ, so I'm going to let these things slide. So we, we got to know this. When we let those carnal things take foot unchecked, I promise you they're going to rear their head back up. And sin is like a credit card. I like this. Sin is like a credit card. Enjoy now, pay later. Right? Ooh. The bill came, ooh, right? Enjoy now, pay later. Sin, and I, and, and I love this statement. And my, one of my former pastors used to say this, and you'll probably hear me say this a lot. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And there's a truth to that. Listen, maybe you've dealt with the same thing, and you've, and, and you've been in bondage for years, and I can tell you this. It's time, listen, I'm speaking prophetically today. It's time to drive out the enemy out of your life because God has given you an inheritance. And sometimes we don't get that inheritance because we want to keep our pet sin. The Canaanites are basically, and the way we could say the Canaanites are basically this carnal things. What is carnal things? That is things that I do as a human. My flesh. I don't know about you. I'm adjusting to the drivers in Indiana. I'm in a hurry no matter what. No matter if I'm on time, behind, doesn't matter. I'm in a hurry. I'm from California. We are in a hurry no matter what. And I catch myself. Go! The light is green! What shade of green are you waiting for here? But then I, people catch me going down all the one-way streets in Bedford. I've done that a few times. It's the California plates on there, so it's, it's, I need a little mercy. <laughs> but carnal, carnal things, things, my flesh, my flesh flares up. The light is green. Does it really matter? No. Why are you angry, TJ? You're an angry elf, right? Why are you angry? That's the quote from a movie, if you didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm, th I'm throwing a lot of stuff out. You got Tracking with me is really hard. My mind goes, wee, 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 squirrel, you know. S just stay with me. That's another movie, movie quote. Okay. I'll just. But this is what we know. The land had already been given to the Israelites. It was theirs to take. But they didn't completely drive out the Canaanites from the land, and, and the pockets were there, and they were wreaking havoc on the nation. So look, one chapter later, and, and Joshua's aging here, and he has to go back, and he has to deal with things that he didn't deal with in the first place. God help us, right? You know what? In my life, I have yet to talk to a person who says, uh, who says this simply, uh, that they are, uh, sorry, I lost my place. I don't know where I went. Hang on. I have yet to talk to a person who says, I'm glad that I kept swearing and cursing my whole life. I've yet to talk to a person that says, I'm thankful that I had an adulterous affair. It made my life successful. 
I've yet to talk to someone that said, hey, I'm really glad that I'm a gossip. But what I hear and what, I, what I've heard as a, as a minister is this. What I hear is these things. Is, is simply this. What they say is, I regret. I regret ever taking a drink of alcohol because I'm in bondage to alcohol. And I spend my money and my family goes without because I have a... I have this, this need that I have to fulfill. I hear things like this, that I regret that I ever looked at pornography because, man, it has ruined and it has wrecked my marriage. I hear things like this. Uh, I regret that, uh, that I was adulterous or that I was in a fornication relationship and it ruined my marriage or it stole my purity. I hear things like this over and over and over. Most say, I wish I would have just rooted out that issue long before I ever let it get to the place that it got. So you say, hey, TJ, are you saying Jesus' blood doesn't cover our sins? No, 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 I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. I'm saying we tolerate things that the blood of Jesus has already beat on Calvary. That was a strong statement. We tolerate things that Christ has already defeated on the cross. He came and your sins, he's already defeated those things. But oftentimes, we just let them exist. Philippians 2.12 says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not as in my presence, but much more in my absence, this is Paul talking, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Here's the practical side. We talk about positionally, we know what Christ has done for us. But here's the practical side. He's telling them that this, work out your own salvation. Does that mean that you have to do a lot of work? Well, it doesn't mean it, the price has already been paid. It's already been covered. But this is what Oswald Chambers said about this. He said this, sanctification is not my ideal of what I want God to do for me. Sanctification is God's ideal of what he wants to do for me. So we're in this process. We are saved, but we're walking this journey, and we're in this sanctification process where God is beginning to work within us, and we're working out our salvation as we walk our walk with Jesus. Amen? I know. I, it's quiet in here, but I promise you, I, this is good that you're quiet because you're probably listening, and you're probably getting some of this. So what does that mean for you? And what does this mean? This is what we know. If we're working out our salvation, number one, we need to know the traps of the enemy. Know your weaknesses. You know what can, what can cause bondage in your life and what can cause you to begin to walk away from God. Drive out the Canaanites. Draw, drive out the carnal nature. Drive out the flesh, the human nature. And take the life of liberty and the spirit of God that he intended for you and me. Amen. For your own sake. Everyone say, for your own sake. We've got to drive out the pockets of the enemy's footholds in our lives. Here's number two. And I'll ask the worship team to go ahead and make their way back up here. See, I'm not going to be too long today. Number two. Everyone say, for heaven's sake. Have you ever stopped to think? And I thought about this this week. Have you ever stopped to think what people are going to say at your funeral about you? I really thought about that. I really never thought about that in my life, I don't think. But today, I, or I, when I was thinking about this this week, I began to think about that. I was like, 
what would people say about me? They say, oh, he has a lot of movie quotes in his uh, sermons, and he's quirky, and he's weird. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I found that interesting. I thought, what would people say about me? And I don't know about you. That may be scary to some of us, right? Like, well, I don't know what people are going to say about me. Let me ask you this. If you knew the amount of days that you had left on this earth, you would probably love your spouse like you never have before, right? And you'd probably love your kids like you never have before. And you would probably prioritize things in your life like you never had before because you know you only got this amount of time, so you're not going to waste a lot of time on things that don't matter, right? Right? Uh, you would probably uh, have meaningful conversations with your kids, maybe by text because that's the way they communicate. Or we'd probably uh, be very intentional in the way we lived. And, and see, and this is what we need to understand, for, for heaven's sake, and this is why I say this, that's what Jesus did. Everything Jesus did was super intentional. Let me tell you why it was intentional. Jesus basically kind of lived his life backwards because he knew that he was appointed to die. He knew there was going to be a point that he was going to die. And everything he did, he did it with, with intention. He was born in a manger, swaddling clothes, right? He knew he would die, and he was put in, a, in grave clothes, and then he was put in a tomb. He lived with intention. He knew this. He knew this. Jesus understood this. Positionally, he knew positionally who he was. I am the Son of God. Now, he was man, and he lived here on earth, right? But he, he came and he dwelt among men, and he knew who he was positionally. But look at this. Look at his life, how practical he was with his life and how he used his life to change his surroundings. He said, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. It's amazing to me. See, it won't matter when we stand before the Lord how much money you made on this earth. God's not impressed with your six-figure, seven-figure and if you're eight figures, God bless you, income. For the rest of us, five figures. <laughs> God's not impressed with the amount of money that you can make on this earth. God's not impressed with how big your house is. He says he's preparing a mansion for you right now. He's really probably not impressed with your house here on earth. <laughs> right? It says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, so... And, and the streets are made of gold in heaven, so your value of money here is, is pretty weak compared to God's value. Like, ah, oh, that's just road surface, you know. God's not impressed with your social status. Well, everyone knows me in town. God's not impressed with that. I'm going to say he loves you. God's not impressed with your job. Maybe you find all your value in your job. God's not impressed with your job. Doesn't mean I'm not saying he doesn't love you. I'm not saying he doesn't care about you. But all that will matter is that what Jesus says, or what the Lord says to us, is, well done, thy good and faithful servant on that day, right? He'd say this, you've accepted my positional salvation. And here's the thing, when he says good job, servant, he's, you've worked it out practically. You followed what Jesus modeled for us. He knew who he was positionally, and he just lived it out. You rooted out the enemy. You, you, those little pockets, you, you didn't allow them to just fester and grow, but you just dealt with it. You got it out of there. You didn't tolerate sin or bad habits in your life. He says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Here's, the, here's the, everyone say, for heaven's sake. Here's the last thing. 
practical truth, practical truth. Number three, right here. And don't take this the wrong way, for Christ's sake. This is a statement, that, okay, this is a statement and not the idiom or interjection of frustration that many, that some, many people use, okay? No, this is a statement. We're, we're going we're gonna to do practical truth for Christ's sake. Walk out practical truth in your life just like Christ walked out practical truth in his life. He saw a need, he met it. You see a need, try to meet that need. Say, well, I don't know what I can do. You see someone that's down, put a smile on their face. See, we know this Joshua in our text, he's old, he's stricken in years. As a matter of fact, God told him that. But here's what I know. Here's the difference between Joshua and Jesus is Jesus never gets old. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get stricken. And let me, let me just say this. What do the people at, okay, this is rhetorical. This is rhetorical, okay? Everyone just buckle up your seat. Everyone put on your seatbelt, okay? Rhetorical question here. What do people around you at your job, your house, or your family think about the Christ that you serve? Is he old? Is he viral? Or is he vital and real? When you walk out practical truth, you're not just doing it for your sake. You're not just doing it for, the, for heaven's sake, but you're also doing it for Christ. Most people that work with you, listen to this, most people that work with you will never read their Bible seriously. Many people will never step foot in a church. You can invite them, many people won't. Some won't come to Bible study. You may invite them and say, hey, we're going to be doing a, a men's bonfire, or we're going to be doing a ladies thing. They may never come to one of those things. But many of them will only see the Jesus that is in your life, on the job, at your house, with your family. There's a sign in my office, and I don't, I don't know if Brandy and Greg put it in there, but I, I think it's powerful. And it, it says this, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. I think as a people of God, we have to live out practical truth. We know positionally who we are. We know we are Christ. We know we are redeemed. But practically, we need to live it out to where others see us. And because they see the vital, powerful Christ working within our lives, see the, the God that's changed us, that's moving us. We're excited about what God is doing in our lives. Many people will see that Jesus and say, man, that person's quirky, but there's something about them. I want to know this Jesus. What will they uh, What will they see is is important? Will they see a powerless God or a vibrant or victorious God? See, many have heard of the many miracles of Jesus in the Bible and would say, "Hey, we hear you, but where are the miracles in your life?" I remember Jesus saying something greater things than this shall you do. Where are your miracles? I like this story. A skeptic stood up in church and said, I don't believe in Jesus. 
the Jesus you talk about because the Jesus in the Bible was powerful and he did miracles. He turned even water into wine. And the ba- a man in the back stood and he said this. He said, sir, Jesus is still doing miracles today. You talked about Jesus doing uh, miracles like turning uh, the water into wine. But in my case, he turned beer into furniture. Like, well, that's crazy. And he said this, you see, sir, I was bound to alcohol, and God freed me from that. And the money I used to spend on alcohol, I was able to take care of my family's needs. And my family was falling apart because of the way that I spent my money on alcohol. But I don't drink anymore. So the money I used to spend on beer, now I can support and love my family. How many know that God is still doing miracles today? Let me ask you this. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on. Listen, here's the practical truth that I want to give you right here. Listen to this. Listen to this. Based on what you do practically in your life, the practical truth, we know positionally who we are, but based on what we do practically in our lives, many people will make a decision for Christ by how you live. You say, really? Absolutely. Live practically above the reproach of sin. If not for your sake, do it for Christ's sake. God, I, I, wanna, I want your name to be good. So many people wear the name Christian, and they don't live any more Christian than, than people in the world. That's why the world looks at us and says, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that's true. We are. None of us are perfect, and so are you, right? But we don't need to get offended by that. But listen, we need to bear the name of Christ in our walk with God, and it needs to look like Christ. People need to see the Christ that changed us. People need to know the Christ that changed us. They need to know that he's still performing miracles. He's still changing lives, and he's still moving forward. Positionally, through the inheritance of Christ's death, practically, I have victory over that which would make me miserable, ruin my testimony, and rob me eternally through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, and we need to know this. God will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will provide a way of escape, a way of victory. Listen to this. When you're tempted and that Canaanite or that carnal thing inside of you raises its head, you need to say, you know what, God, you've made a way that I can get away from this. And you need to ask God, help me. Help me right now. God, help me. And maybe you thought a thought that was impure, and you need to say, God, help my mind right now. Let that bird fly around, but don't let that bird land and make a nest in your head. Right? So the Lord, he does this. He sets up residence in us, and that's positionally we are cleansed by his death. But listen to this. Practically, listen to me. Practically, we are set free by his life. Come on, bow your heads with me all across this building. Lord, your word amazes me. God, it blows my mind. God, Lord, that you would care enough about a people, Lord, that you would allow things to happen in the Old Testament that are still vibrant and applicable today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as a church and as a people, Lord, that we would not allow areas in our lives that don't belong there, carnal things. Maybe they're not even 
you know, what we would call quote unquote sin, but maybe there are things that are between our, our relationship with you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would just begin to just move through this place, begin to convict, begin to move and minister. If you're here and you're under the sound of my voice and you say, hey, TJ, I heard you talking about Jesus and how he was the propitiation for our sins, that he covered and he paid the price for my sins. And I don't really understand that completely, but all I know is that I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel him tugging at your heart right now and moving in this place. And you say, I don't know really what to do or what to think, but I feel something in my heart and I feel like it's real. You say, TJ, I, I need a Savior. I need to admit the things that I've done. I need to believe and I need to confess with my mouth. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to give you an invitation. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. I promise you, it'll change you. It'll change you for the better. You'll be better. And I promise you, positionally, you'll be in the fold. And he'll call you a son or a daughter. And he's calling you right now. And if that's you under the sound of my voice, and you don't know Jesus, maybe you're in the balcony, maybe you're on the bottom. I don't know. And you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today. I believe the Holy Spirit's moving into this place right now. You want to know him today. Come on, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, would you just lift up your hand? Come on, anybody in the building? Anybody in the building? Come on, Terry, just a moment. Say, don't be afraid. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to bring you up here. We're not going to embarrass you. I promise you. I just want to give you a chance to get right with the Lord positionally today. Positionally, I want to give you give you that opportunity. Anybody in the house? Come on. Thank you for your patience, church. Thank you for your patience. So this is what I want to do. Now you're under the sound of my voice moving forward here. Moving forward, you're under the sound of my voice, and you say, hey, TJ, I know who I am positionally. I know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that he has, he has, has bought me with a price. But here's the thing. I have let some Canaanites that I should have dealt with uh, begin to rear their head up to me, and they begin to, 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 to show strength, and, and I need some help, and I need to be free, and I need the Lord to move on my behalf today to help me, to help me move past these bondages. And if that's you, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, come on, lift your hand, come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In the balcony, thank you, thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you, thank you. This is what I want to do today. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, those of you who can. Say, why, do you, why are you asking the prayer team? Because we, I want you to know that you're not in this alone. There are people that want to pray with you that will, 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 will stay in these altars until we get the breakthrough that we need today. If you raised your hand and you say, hey, posi I, I know positionally who, whose I am, but practically I need to do better. If that's you, I want to ask you just to, to, to take a step of faith today. Take a step of faith today. And just step up here to the front. Come on. Come on. I want to invite you up here. Come on. Come on. Someone's going to break the ice. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Many more. Raise your hands. Come on. I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I promise you. This is not to embarrass you. But this is to, to help you. I promise you. 
I've been there. I've been there. I've been, I've been the one to, to walk down here. And it, 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 it was freeing. It, it freed me. Come on. Will you stand with me all across this building? Come on. Will you stand with me all across this building? And this is what I want to do. I believe we're going to do this. If you raise your hands, and, and maybe you're just a little bit ashamed and a little bit afraid to come up here, but that's okay. Listen, that's okay. This is what I want the prayer team to do. If you're not praying with someone, this is what I want you to do. I want you guys to stretch your hands out this way, okay? Stretch your hands out towards them. And we're going to say a prayer of deliverance right now in this house. Now, God can move where he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And I believe that. So, let's begin to pray. Come on, all across this building. Holy Spirit, begin to minister. Begin to shake the things in our life that don't belong there. God, help us to drive out the Canaanites, the, 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 the carnal thoughts, God. God, the attitudes. God, maybe, maybe fornication, God, maybe pornography, maybe, maybe alcohol, maybe, maybe things that have held people bound. God, we pray right now for deliverance in the house. Deliverance today in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now, those who are struggling, God, with, with, with things in their life, God, I pray, Lord, that they would be freed in the mighty name of Jesus. God, provisionally, God, we know who we are. God, we know positionally where we stand. So, God, I pray and I stand on that, Lord. I believe that you, your, your price on the cross was paid, and it paid my price. God, you footed the bill for me, Lord. And the things that I've done and the things that I've put in front of you, God, forgive me. God, I admit, number one, God, I admit that I've made mistakes and that I have things in my life that need to be, be taken care of. Number two, God, I believe, God, I believe that you are the Lord over my life. I believe in the power of the cross. I believe in reconciliation. I believe, Lord, that you are a good God. Number three, Lord, I confess. Lord, I confess. Lord, I say I'm sorry. I am sorry for the things that I've done, the things that I've not dealt with. God, I lay them out at your feet today. God, forgive me in the name of Jesus. Come on, can you lift your hands? Can you worship him? Come on, can you guys sing this song? Come on, sing this song with us today.
sing it out, church. Come on, sing it out. Let's declare it. Do it again, Lord. Jesus, you're
I want to do this, and this is something I, I didn't get to do last week, but because of time's sake, but this is something that I want to do each and every week. If you'll just stretch your hand, just lift your right hand this direction. I want to send you with a blessing. This is the Levitical blessing, but I, I want to bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you this week and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. with us. We hope that you felt the spirit of the Lord in this place. We trust that you did. Uh, we would ask that you fill out the connection card that's in the seat backs in front of you. If it's not in front of you, it's probably in the seat right behind you. Um, there is a little card for you to fill out. You can take that to our welcome center and we have a gift that we'd love to share with you. Um, that is just a way for us to connect with you. We will not spam you or call you during dinner time, anything like that. Um, so we want to make sure that you are all up to speed on everything that's happening with our services, all of our events that are happening. We don't want you to be like the soldier in Japan that didn't get the memo. So we want to invite you to sign up for our newsletter. So this is a new thing that we're doing here at Cornerstone. So if you would like to be on our newsletter, please sign up at the Welcome Center. You can also sign up on our website if you scroll to the bottom you can click the subscribe button. So please join the newsletter so you are in the know. If you have any questions, see Pastor Tristan. Um, a few announcements. Men's bonfire on Tuesday at 7. I'm sure that'll be a great time. When, women's Bible study Wednesday on Zoom at 7 o'clock. Ignite Teens, that's 7th through 12th grade at 7 o'clock here at the church. And also on Wednesday is our Kids Rock Drive-In service at 7 for our whole family. And then Healing Hearts Tuesday, October 1st at 7. Thursday. It's Thursday the 1st. You guys have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you for worshiping with us. <laughs>